The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're so excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. But that's not all. Have you ever wanted to see yourself as a character in a story? Now teachers and students can create their custom game avatars and see them come to life on an augmented reality poster. To learn more about Classcraft's story mode and the new AR experience, simply visit classcraft.com. And, and even the folks at code.org say it's a bad idea, you know. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if the computer science folks and the coding people are saying it's a bad idea, it's I... probably a bad idea. It's probably a bad idea. <laughs> I like it. Welcome back to On Education, friends. Glenn is off this week, and we have a really great guest joining us today. But before we get started, I'd like to say a few words about the shootings over the last few days. As a Canadian, I struggle to wrap my head around mass shootings. I don't understand how a nation that holds itself out as a symbol of freedom and democracy can also be the standard bearer for gun violence, citizen incarceration, and a lack of what many other countries see as basic needs, such as universal health care. The reality is the best nation in the world should also be the safest and have the healthiest and best educated citizens. America has none of this right now. We've never shied away on the podcast from these topics, and we won't today either. My heart breaks for the families of those lost in El Paso and Dayton. My heart breaks for the families of those lost in Las Vegas and Parkland and Dallas and everywhere else there's been a mass shooting. About 250 of them this year, by the way. Hearts breaking, though, needs to turn into action. I encourage you to call your member of Congress and tell them you've had enough. Tell them you have a voice, and in 15 months, your voice is going to be heard. If you or someone you know is experiencing pain or trauma related to gun violence, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration Disaster Distress Hotline, provides 24-7 access to trained crisis counselors for people experiencing emotional distress related to natural or human-caused disasters. Contact the hotline by phone at 1-800-985-5990. We'll be right back. On Education is brought to you by Pick My Kid. Pick My Kid is an automated dismissal solution that cuts car line time in half. It engages parents with a parent app by being able to change dismissal routines right from their phone. Friends, that means no more front office calls. Pick My Kid is affordable for schools and removes dismissal stress for parents, teachers, and staff. For more information, visit pickmykid.com. That's P-I-K-mykid.com. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Recently, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages, the ACTFL, released the report, Making Languages Our Business, Addressing Foreign Language Demand Among U.S. Employers. It has some pretty interesting, even surprising results that speak to the importance of foreign language education. The executive director of the ACTFL, Howie Berman, joins me today to talk about the report and foreign language education in general. Welcome to the podcast, Howie. Thanks for having me. 
before we get started, um, there might be some listeners in our audience who don't know what the ACTFL is and what you do. So could you give them a bit of an introduction to the organization? Absolutely, especially in the, the world of education. There's lots of acronyms, so it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. good, good, good thing to do. So um, ACTFL is, uh, as you said, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. We are a uh, individual membership organization of about 13,000 language educators and administrators from elementary all the way through graduate education. Uh, we represent government and industry as well. Um, and really our mission is to provide vision, leadership, and support for quality teaching and learning of languages. Um, we're known for the proficiency guidelines that we developed, uh, our work on the world readiness standards for uh, learning languages, um, our annual convention that we have every year, which will actually be in DC this year. It's about uh, seven or 8,000 uh, language teachers. It's an amazing gathering. Um, our language assessments, and then a lot of our professional and career uh, development that we do for, for language teachers at all levels. So uh, we represent about 65 different languages in our membership, uh, so it's a very diverse membership. Um, so we're really here to, to support the professional needs of, um, of the language uh, teaching profession. Awesome. Some of the, uh, some, so some of the key findings in this report that we're talking about are pretty interesting. And I'm, I'm going to break them down into a couple questions. So, so first, here are, some, here are some of these key findings that are, that are pretty great. Uh, nine out of 10 U.S. employers rely on employees with language skills other than English. 56% uh, say their foreign language demand will increase in the next five years. And 47% state a need for language skills exclusively for the domestic market. So it doesn't take much to see that the demographics of America, and even, to be honest, I live in Canada, um, North America are changing. Um, I think that these stats are telling us we need to do a better job of adapting to the shifts in our society. Um, is that, I think, what they're telling you? But also, is there anything else that these numbers are saying? Sure. I mean, I think that last point especially was very surprising. Um, uh, maybe not to some of us, but I think to the public it would be very surprising. I think for a lot of folks, they assume um, you're going to use language skills in a business environment if you're going to work abroad. So if you're going to work in an office in Munich or you're going to work in an, uh, an office in Shanghai. But what sure. we're finding because of the, the changing demographics in this country um, you need language skills to service the population here in the United States because of the changing demographics. And that's that's critical, and that's across all sectors. So that's technology, that's healthcare, that's uh, marketing, that's um, finance. So this is a this is a huge, huge number. Um, and what we're what we're seeing is a real disconnect. Um, right now, 20% of students at the K-12 level a level are enrolled in language classes um, in the United States. And when you get up to higher higher ed, it goes down to about 6%. So this is a, this clearly speaks to a change in um, policy that needs to take place in order for us to meet the needs of, of the, um, the global economy and, and for U.S. employers moving forward. So... A few other findings from this report are, are really interesting as well. One in three language-dependent U.S. employers report a language skills gap. One in four U.S. employers lost business due to a lack of language skills. So 
educators talk a lot about the jobs of the future. It's 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 in every keynote. It's all over the place. And and they talk about what our students might be doing when they enter the workforce. No matter what they're doing and how they're doing it, though, it seems really clear that languages other than English are going to play a role, it seems to me anyways. I think that this report is saying if we want our students to be successful in the future, we really need to start teaching them these critical foreign languages today. Does that does that seem to make sense? Without a doubt. And in fact, this is really all about that pipeline that we want to create and sustain. Right. Um, we make seven uh, concrete recommendations in the report that are geared toward the business community. But it's really a team effort. It's the business community, it's it's administrators, it's parents um, that we need that need to work together. And the seventh recommendation in that report is for um, the business community to advocate regional, state, and national policies that are responsive to um, the workforce needs when, as it relates to foreign language. And that includes funding early language programs. This is key because the earlier kids start learning language. The, the better chance they have to continue with that language through high school, through college, and then through into their career. So we want to make sure that the business community is working hand-in-hand hand with us to advocate for those programs. It's in their best interest. The, yeah, more, no, the, sure. the more kids that are, that are taking language at an earlier age, um, it just increases the odds that they're going to have employees that can fulfill the needs they have to get these business deals done, to make things happen uh, on the world stage when it comes to the global economy. Why, why do you think you referenced it um, in the previous question, and, and it, kind of, it kind of came up a little bit there too, related anyways. Why do you think that there's a drop-off? Uh, I'm sure you actually know exactly why there's a drop-off between going from primary to junior to, you know, through public school and then to high school and then to college and university, why there's a significant drop off. Like I can tell you just from personal experience, we have to, in Canada, you have to take French all the way to grade, all the way to grade nine. You buy law, you have to take French to grade nine. But I can tell you that like 90% of kids after grade nine don't take French again. Um, right. And I'm just, I, I've never spent a whole lot of time thinking about it, but I mean that's part of your job. So I'm I'm curious if you if you have a sense of why kids in grade nine don't take French in grade ten, and and why kids who may have taken uh, a foreign language through high school even don't you know pursue it into college or university, even though it's obvious that it would have huge benefits for them going forward. Sure. So there's a couple a couple questions there that I can yeah. I can address. So in terms of K-12, I think what we've seen is we've seen actually an expansion of programs. What we what you don't see is a is a deepening of those programs. Um, and that has a lot to do with with funding, obviously. Um, you know, you may see a lot of uh, level one or even level two programs um, cropping up, but they but they terminate. And then the mm -hmm. kids are left where they have no they have nowhere to turn and they're basically done. So they might have gotten to intermediate the intermediate level in the language if that, and they are um, they have nowhere else to go. At the college level, we, you know, one of the things that we recommend in the report, um, we talk about um, having the business community identify and cultivate this pipeline of multilingual talent. And I think they need to partner with higher ed. Um, I think. Um, 
higher ed needs to do some self-reflection in terms of their programs as well um, and make sure that those programs are fully integrated with the other uh, subject areas on campuses. So, you know, making sure that students are um, using language in, um, you know, in concert with economics classes, in concert with um, business classes, um, uh, computer science classes, because, you know, there's a lot of talk about STEM, and STEM has been and will continue to be the hot topic, um, but our, you know, our point is that language is a, is a, should be seen as a core subject that complements STEM. And so you need to build curriculum, especially at the higher ed level, that allows language to um, fit in with those other subject areas. And I think that's a that's an evolution. That's going to be something that we're going to have to work on. I think a lot of traditional language programs at the higher ed level, you know, it's your, it's your you know, languages and lit. It's a lot mm -hmm. of focus on um, language and, and, and literature. And so we need to see some more um, innovative programs that really utilize language more from a, uh, a workforce and career readiness standpoint. On Education is brought to you by Taylor Ed. As teachers meeting the needs of each and every student in today's classroom is time consuming, complicated, and overwhelming. Taylor Ed makes differentiation in math effortless through curated resources, smart student grouping, and student insights beyond proficiency. Sign up today using the promo code ONEDUCATION and receive three months on us. Visit taylor-ed.com for more information. And I guess what can be done at the high school level? I mean, I, I know in Canada they offer English, obviously, classes and French classes and um, some are starting to offer um, Mandarin um, is one that comes up a lot and Japanese a little bit. But um, I guess I, I have a concern about, especially high school, about delivering foreign languages in high school. And, and it's it's mostly related to equity. So, for example, we hear a lot of educators, especially in low income areas um, where school budgets are tight, um, that they're having a hard time making you know, especially actually we're seeing this really right now. If you hop on Twitter um, in the edu Twitter space, there's a lot of people posting their Amazon wish lists for for like I need pencils and markers. And that's friggin crazy to me. But that's the reality of what it means to work in in some of these low income areas. And we see this report, though, suggesting to ramp up foreign language teaching in languages that aren't probably currently taught like Chinese and Japanese. I mean, in a lot of um, high schools, I imagine in the States, they have a Sp they have Spanish and they probably, some of them even have French, but, you know, Chinese and Japanese may not be core things that are offered. Um, and I have no problem ramping up foreign language offerings. I think it's awesome. I, I think it's, it makes it obvious also. I'm just her, unsure how we reconcile the budget issues um, and the equity issues. Um, when they're already trying to solve funding, you know, to get normal things in their classroom, how do we now also address funding new classes entirely to teach foreign languages? I'm sure that this is something that the ACTFL, uh, you know, is thinking about a little bit. And uh, I'm wondering how you think we can address, you know, equity in, in a particular, maybe the K-12 space as it comes to funding foreign languages. Sure, it is, and I and I mean we. So just to back up a little bit, I mean we have a 
we have a strategic plan that that um, kind of drives the organization. And one of the one of the five main goal areas of that strategic plan is diversity, equity, and, equity and inclusion. So right. this is a huge area for us because we recognize that the student um, the student bodies, the student populations are becoming more diverse, and we we want to make sure we're able to recruit and retain teachers that um, you know a workforce that kind of meets the needs of of that uh, diversity. Um, there are a number of things that that we're looking at. So, for instance, um, in the United States, there's a, a movement called the Seal of Biliteracy, um, uh, which is um, at the state level. There are um, right now 37 states that offer a Seal of Biliteracy, which is um, a way to recognize students on their on their high school diploma for hmm. reaching proficiency in two or more languages. Nice. Um, and even the students who don't necessarily get it on their diploma can still apply if they show um, that they have achieved uh, um, the standards that they need to achieve based on the state uh, state guidelines. Every state is different. Now, it's um, it's the, the challenge is because these are state programs and everything at, in the United States, when you have it at the state level, um, you have different guidelines and some confusion. Um, there, like I said, there are 37 states that are doing this. Uh, um, the other 13 are in some form or fashion to, to create this this program. There's kind of a national movement now through legislation, and I think this is really the key, um, not just with the SEAL, but in general. There really needs to be some legislation that's going to have to um, uh, be uh, passed to, to address some of these um, issues. So, for instance, with the SEAL, um, it's great to... to declare a SEAL program in your state, it's the implementation that's really um, the sure. difficult part of this. And so um, I know Congresswoman Brownlee in California has introduced a, a um, piece of legislation that would sort of nationalize the SEAL program. And what it would do is it would give them some funding, especially for some low-income um, areas, to implement the SEAL. And I think this is a, this is a huge step forward because, you know, a lot of this... Um, comes comes down to recognizing students making them feel like they've achieved something um i think it plays it plays a big role in their self-confidence um they move on to the college level um they're proud of the achievement and then they can take that to the next level it also means that the that the colleges and the universities also have to be prepared because you know, I think we're we're seeing a, a bigger and bigger wave of folks coming out of high school with these seals, mm-hmm. um, and so you know we want to make sure that there's that infrastructure in place. So I think, you know, a lot of things have to happen legislatively, both at the state level and at the national level. Um, we work with uh, an organization called the Joint National Committee on Languages, the JNCL. We're we're a member of uh, ACTFL is a member of that organization, and and they really do a lot of advocacy work. Um, when it comes to the language community. And so, you know, these are things that we have to keep on top of, especially in, in the United States where, you, like I said, 50 states, they all have different policies. Mm-hmm. Some some states have, um, you know, supervisors, people who are in charge of language policy. Some do not. So it's it's hard to keep track of. You really have to keep on top of it. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. Um, so, so this is a this is a fun question. I love asking this question when I talk to language uh, educators, and and um, so there are a lot of people in the realm, and you've kind of addressed this a little bit. Um, there are a lot of people in the realm of education that I came from, which is computer science, that think that programming should be offered and taught in the same block of time that foreign languages is. This is a fun one. That because programming is considered, a, or the people refer to it as a language, it deserves the same status as Spanish and French in the classroom. I have a lot of friends. I, I mean, I've had this conversation with someone who we both know, Noah Noah Geisel. We've had yep, this know, conversation well. with him. Yep. And uh, we've had this conversation with Glenn Irvin, who's the, the co-host of this show who's off today. Um, but um, they both are very passionate about this subject. And, and I, love, I love getting this question on the air. Um, I, I know there's pushback against us. What's the official word on why... This is a bad idea. I'm, I'm setting it up for you, and I and I really I really want. I, I think this isn't a good idea either. And I'm a computer science educator, um, but I, I think that it's important to hear why it's a bad idea. Sure. Well, look, language language education is about connections. It's about culture. It's about empathy. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of things to it that, frankly, you just don't get from computer coding. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we have come out with statements. We have said that we value computer coding. It's an, it's an important uh, subject. Um, and we've seen this at the state level where a lot of states have tried to replace the state language requirement um, with uh, coding, basically trying to make them interchangeable. Yep. Um, and it's dangerous. You know, first of all, it's, it's, very, it's very dangerous to kind of pit one... Um, one subject area against another, um, you know, but we've, we've come out and said, look, computer coding is incredibly important. Um, so is language. They're both important. They should both yes. be given equal footing. And you don't, you don't get the same, um, you don't get the same experience from coding um, that you do from language um, training. It's just, it, they're, too, it, they're, they're apples and oranges. Like I said, you know, especially now, culture and empathy are such you know issues of social justice they're so critical and they're so ingrained in language teaching nowadays mm -hmm. that um to me it's it's a it's a it's even a it's just a silly argument to even make um and and even the folks at code.org say it's a bad idea you know yeah. so you know if 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 the computer science folks and the coding people are saying it's a bad idea I, probably a bad idea. It's probably a bad idea. <laughs> I like it. That's 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 about what I was expecting. So so I, I like having it on record. That's for sure. Um, th listen, this this report is important. I, I'm glad that you guys did it. I'm glad that um, you're bringing attention to the the fact that we need to ramp this up. That our world is getting smaller that you know we are more connected than we've ever been and um you know we need we need to be able to speak to each other uh in 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 all of these other languages that english is not the you know the be all and end all of of our society anymore um uh, how can people um connect with you or with the actfl and and take a look at the report where can you lead them to learn more if they if they want to learn more about this sure so the report um was put out by actful and our um in concert with our lead with languages public awareness campaign so the yep. report can be found at um, lead with slash report real easy mm -hmm. um 
And obviously, there, we have information on, on leadwithlanguages.org about a whole slew of other things related to uh, public awareness when it comes to language uh, policy and, and really trying to teach the public about why languages are so important. Um, in terms of ACTFL, you can learn more about ACTFL at ACTFL.org, um, on Twitter at ACTFL, A-C-T-F-L. Um, and if people want to interact with me, um, I'm on Twitter as well at Howie Berman, B-E-R-M-A-N-C-A-E. Howie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, everyone should take a look at this report. It's, uh, it's really, really interesting. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.